Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? This is your favorite podcast, your favorite college football podcast, the Tailgaters Podcast. I am Kevin Borba. He is Sergio de la Esperea. And today is Superlatives Day. We are halfway through the season, so we are going to talk about who's impressing, who's not impressing, and who's surprising us. So, Sergio, are you ready? I was born ready, Borba. I have a chair now. I can sit. I can be comfortable. I'm ready to go. Love that. Well, if you didn't know, because this is not a visual platform, um, Sergio has been recording our last episode standing. So now that he is sitting, he is ready to go, ready for the Absolutely. action. So for our first one, the question is, which team, success or failure, has surprised you the most thus far? Um, Okay, I'm going to do the easy way out, and then I'm going to like give you another answer. The easy way out is Cincinnati, hands down. I think that um, Cincinnati is deserving of a lot more respect than what they're being given. Um, I know that I am the pound the t- fist on the table person for elite group of five teams. Um, it's just what I do. It's what I like. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in the group of five before I was even before I even went to UF and followed Power Five football. So yeah, for me, it's a bit personal. So Cincinnati is the easy answer. I think the other answer is Arkansas. And uh, for me, it's something that I had a lot of faith in Sam Pittman when he was hired. Um, I didn't expect him to turn it around so quickly, but I said, you know what? If there's anyone that can work there, it's that kind of like happy-go-lucky, I'm an Arkansas kind of guy in, coach in Sam Pittman, um, in, in, in Pittman, you know? And so for me, I like Arkansas a lot. I didn't expect them to be like this. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect them to beat your Texas Longhorns, um, but I did see them taking like a step forward second in the east or second in the west third in the west um one in 2a 2b with Ole Miss which after last week's game it's still kind of a toss-up as to who you prefer um I'm gonna go with Arkansas for the more difficult answer and then I'm definitely definitely gonna go with um Cincinnati for that kind of like easy answer love the subtle shade on my text it's not even subtle you just full-on called us out (laughs) Arkansas. Well, is a I good told one. you, I, I didn't expect it. I thought I thought Texas was the better team that day, and or at least had better players in that sense. But I hey. did too. I mean, Arkansas's three man front was literally no joke, and they've been haunting every other team. So I have, I'll go two teams as well. Um, the basic one that I went with is Clemson. Um, you just kind of assume that Clemson's always going to be one of those teams where it's like they're in the playoff. They have the best quarterback in the nation. They have all the weapons. Everybody like they currently have sixty six ESPN three hundred recruits on the roster. And they're sitting at three and two. Um, DJ Uyungle is not who they thought he was. I don't know if it's a system issue or if it's a him issue, but they've been struggling. And so that's my number one team. Um, a fun stat is they're only averaging 14 points a game against schools not named South Carolina State, which is kind of disheartening because you have all this five-star talent and you can't score. Like you're averaging 14 points a game against, mind you, it's the ACC. So the ACC isn't known for their like tough defense. Like they have some good teams, but... You're telling me North Carolina State's going to give you troubles? So that's mm-hmm. that's my most disappointing team. On a positive note, the University of Texas San Antonio has pleasantly meep, surprised meep. me. Yeah, meep, meep all the way, dude. Like 6-0 and <laughs> Jeff Trailer is he's actually one of my answers for another question, which we'll get to later. But they're 6-0. and um, They have a win over a Big Ten Illinois team. Um, they have some very impressive wins over other schools. And it's just like you never expect a team like 
I won't say small because it's obviously a division one university, but small in football history, um, success, like the most wins they've ever had is eight in the past 10 years. So like a program that's already two wins away or they're two wins away from amassing their, their like career high in wins. I think that's a great season for them. Um, that's my biggest surprise on a positive note, but Clemson is the biggest disappointment to me. Um, I just don't know how you could have all these five stars and struggle, which I don't know if Dabby's going to, Dabby's going to need to do some soul searching, maybe change the offense up to give DJ a better environment, or maybe he's just not. The I, I don't think Dabo, I don't think Dabo has to do soul searching. I think Dabo has to embrace the transfer portal. I really Ooh. believe that that's the big thing. He He's famous for saying he does not want to take transfers in that they do things the Clemson way. There's a specific routine that they have in a way that they operate. And I really think that if he wants to succeed in this era of college football, I think he needs to dip into the transfer portal and be comfortable with taking a player here and there in the transfer portal. Um, you know, it's the same stubbornness issue that my coach Dan Mullen has in that sense. Can they change? We'll see. Dabba might have to change. There might be a an albino quarterback entering the transfer portal very soon from a very prominent university. <laughs> um, Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler, if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he could be an option for some schools looking for the transfer port, looking into the transfer portal for the next quarterback. And so now it's our favorite time, Sergio. We get to talk negatively about teams. Everybody's favorite time. Ah. ah. So who has been the biggest disappointment for you this season? Could be anybody really. A lot of teams disappointed um, so far. For me, it's, two, it's two-prong. Okay. It can't be my own team, no? Okay. can't no, be your it, own it team. All, there's always going to be a way it's... for your own team to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, everything that you said about Clemson. Clemson is for sure the, like, spark out and, like, the light light in the night, for sure, with disappointment, obviously. So I'm not going to go into that. You you encapsulated it perfectly. But I am really disappointed in Texas A&M. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's their fault. And I know this is weird coming off of um, – a victory against Alabama, but oh, as a whole, I'm disappointed and, I, and I'm more disappointed in Jimbo because it seems like Jimbo's offense is too complicated. J- Jimbo likes to run an offense that requires uh, a quarterback to be extremely intelligent at a young age and make a lot of reads and a lot of checkdowns, which is great and fantastic when you have juniors and seniors and how college football operated maybe in the 90s and 2000s. I'm not so sure if that's indicative to now when you have 18-year-old guys coming out with all kinds of athletic abilities and people are scheming scheming them to get their best qualities and traits out of them. So I'm kind of disappointed in A&M because it seems like they were going to do this high-tempo offense with Haynes King, but Haynes King got hurt in the second game of the season. And then when Calzada went in, he kind of struggled in that sense. I think the disappointment comes in the fact that Jimbo didn't adapt the offensive playbook to Calzada's strengths. And as a result, they ended up losing to a good Arkansas team and they ended up losing to, I forget who the other team they lost to, but they ended up losing someone else. Um, and, you know, as the time goes on, he gets better, which gives you the first half performance against Alabama and also the last drive because everything in between really wasn't working out for Arkansas, for Texas A&M. Um, so A&M is one of my disappointments. Um, I'm disappointed in uh, Oregon. I'm disappointed in Oregon because I think that they have the talent to be a playoff team, but they're kind of playing down to the level of their competition. Um, I'm also disappointed a bit in Oklahoma for the way that they've kind of either. I mean, we'll have to see if Lincoln Riley makes the move, then okay. Then I think that they kind of just worked out some kinks. 
Um, but I don't like how the offensive line has been developing. I feel like every single August and July, there's an article written about how Alex Grinch finally has the Oklahoma defense playing great. And then we end up getting situations like this, probably sans for 2019. That was actually a really improved Oklahoma defense. Um, who else am I disappointed in? Um, <laughs> just going down to Florida state. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm disappointed in Florida state. I really am because I thought that the Florida State, with the talent that they have on that roster, sans the offensive line, that is still a train wreck. But with the talent they have on that roster, I thought that they were going to be able to at least develop and move forward. Um, they hung in with Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's that great of a team. But the fact that they hung in with a team that, in my opinion, is better than them with Notre Dame to the end, it seems like that loss kind of just lost all the wind in the sails, took, it all, took all the wind in the sails out, and they kind of just went and went down. Granted, Wake Forest, much better than years past. That's a year that we could have, that's a team we could have talked about with great improvement. Um, yeah, there's a lot of teams that are kind of underperforming, but I kind of like it because it makes it everything more exciting for the yeah. for college football this season, you know? I think this is the most parody we've seen in the college football playoff era. Um, mm-hmm. Even at the beginning of the college football playoff era, there was Washington and Michigan State, but those teams had been mm-hmm. good. It was just we didn't have a playoff, so we didn't really pay attention to how good those teams were. Um, they had their mm-hmm. Jake, um, Jake Browning and Connor Cook days, and like those teams were good. It was just we never got to experience mm-hmm. four good teams in the playoffs. So if you don't right. think those first couple years were, had parity, like they they did, but they didn't. But this year is like we're seeing the blue bloods fall, like the the quote unquote blue bloods, like Alabama's fallen. They'll likely be in the playoffs still, but Iowa's new. We have a group of five team in the in the playoff right now in the playoff rankings right now or what would be the playoff mm-hmm. rankings so it's just a great season for college football i agree um my biggest disappointment is in the big 12 um it's not texas um it's actually iowa state <laughs> uh, they were ranked number seven going into the season um they're doing one of those run it back type of one they're run it back type of vibe where they bring literally mm-hmm. everybody back from the year before a team that was really good contended for the big 12 they lost the big 12 championship but they made it to a new year six bowl game they won the fiesta bowl against oregon and they were like, let's run it back. We'll bring everybody back. We'll be really good. And they flopped like mightily. Like they lost mm-hmm. to Iowa. They barely beat Northern Iowa. They've lost to Baylor already, which Baylor's better than we expected. But up until they played UNLV, Brock Purdy had no touchdowns on the season. Brock Purdy got benched in that Baylor game. He got benched in Baylor and against Iowa. So yeah. he's been he's been given the bench treatment twice. And he's a senior quarterback. And so we actually did this on our radio show at Quinnipiac, we ranked all the quarterbacks in the conference and we, me and you were mm-hmm. both very high on Brock and we were, he let us down. <laughs> he let us down. Completely. He, I, I feel the most bad for um, my other podcast uh, co-host, Tyler K Williams. Uh, he loves Brock Purdy to the point where his fantasy football name is party like a Brock star. Uh, and it's a picture of Brock Purdy and we make all kinds of, uh, Brocktober jokes on sideline judgment. That's judgment with a knee. Apple Podcast, Spotify. You can hear us. It, it's one of those things where he was so much more shocked than anyone else. And it sucks when you see someone you're so close with, one of your best friends, be so invested, and all of a sudden come crashing down to earth in the first three weeks of the season. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this this is going to be like an interesting because our next topic is coaches that have gotten themselves that next job. So coaches from the bottom or at a lower, not the bottom, lower schools that have that have propelled themselves to a better school. Matt Campbell was always thought to be one of those coaches. And this season, he, oh, hold on. He's hurt. Let, his me, let me, let me put some respect on his name. I still believe that number one, number two, I want to make it known in your point. Iowa state last season 
was literally the greatest season in Iowa State football history. I'm not exaggerating. It, it was, was the greatest season in their program's history. But, but so I think I this still year think, hurt him a little bit. I think it, he, he's not the marquee name anymore. Because he was he may not, not be he may not be considered for the USC job, but right. there may be another job in the Big Ten that opens up after this season that I think he's perfect for, which we'll get to in a bit when we get to our next segment. <laughs> right. And then I wanted to throw in one more team that you just mentioned, actually, uh-huh. USC. Um, last season they were solid, but you knew the writing was on the wall for Clay Helton. It was just he had done so well in a way that they couldn't fire him because he just got them like to the top of the pack 12 essentially. And so they were like, well, we can't fire him because he just did really well. And then they actually got a reason to, but this USC team is way too talented to be as bad as they are this year. And they're kind of giving Oregon and surprisingly Oregon state, their, their ability to control their will in the pack 12. Mm -hmm. And so USC is probably the biggest. That's another team that's doing a good job. Jonathan Smith is doing a fantastic job up in, um, up at Oregon state, his alma mater, he played quarterback there in the nineties. Uh, that is a fantastic uh, situation. Just want to give that team credit mm-hmm. um, with the whole biggest surprises in a good way. They're having a pretty good season. The offense is clicking. Right. Um, it was good. And with USC, for me, I agree with you completely. But also, after they fired Clay Helton, I was like, all right, the re- the rest of the season, throw it out. Just get get the guys rep, get the young guys reps, get people out there to play. Start making your coaching search and see exactly who it is that you're going to end up hiring, kind of thing. So. I'm not, I'm not being too hard on them in the post Clay Helton firing part of their season. Yeah. It's just, I mean, they went three games in. It's still disappointing though. It's still disappointing. Yeah, it's still disappointing. Cause you have Keaton Slovis who was thought to be an NFL prospect. You have all these guys, all these transfers. <laughs> they signed, they signed the number one overall prospect and they're, they're just like, ah, we're going to, we're, we're going to call it a call it a season. Thanks guys. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so moving yeah. on to our next topic, which we've kind of previewed already. Who is that group of five or even low power five coach that has secured themselves a job at a higher level? I'm pretty sure the LSU contract is already signed with Billy Napier. I figure that's where you're I'm going. Pr- <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Um, I think we should hold the Coach O conversation for next week, Borba, because I, I love my Gators. It's a noon kickoff at yeah. uh, Death Valley this weekend. Mm-hmm. I have a strong feeling they didn't want to make that a night game for certain reasons. And I have a strong feeling that we may have another high profile job open within the next few weeks. Um, so I just wanted to say that right there, put that in the universe, put that in the tailgaters um, extended universe. And another yeah. coach that I think we should talk about rather than just putting pen to paper with Billy Napier, um, Jamie Chadwell. Mm-hmm. Have we not paid attention to what's going on in Conway, South Carolina with coastal Carolina? I, they I, are running I, I think it's their offense. I think that's why people are scared of them. It's this weird triple option pass offense that pe- that scares people. But if you're a program who's underachieved and is a power five program, I like it. Continue, please. <laughs> so, so here's here's the, here's the game plan for here's here's the roadmap for the Jamie Chadwell um, success plan at the power five level. It needs to be a job where it is not a top tier job, but it's one of those jobs that can kind of jump into the stratosphere a little bit, right? It's one of those jobs that can make a difference, that can make an impact, um, but isn't considered like a blue blood. Maybe they have some history, but maybe not like at a high level. Hear me out. On Sideline Judgment, Judge with an E, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Tyler and I have a running bit where I say that Mark Stoops is the future University of Miami head football coach. 
Why? Because Mark Stoops can do a lot with lesser talent. And if you put him in Miami with more talent than he can get at Kentucky, I think it's going to be a recipe for success. I've been saying that for three years because we've never had faith with Manny Diaz and we're being proven right now. So I think Manny Diaz leaves Miami. Okay. Mark Stoops goes to Miami. Hmm. And what job is open in the state of Kentucky, Borba? The I University think. of Kentucky. Ooh. I think okay. Jamie Chadwell could take what's going on in South Carolina elevate it to another level and just do it with better athletes. And it'll, it, he won't listen. He won't contend with Florida and Georgia every single year. I get it, but he is going to maintain that level of success, uh, relative success, right? Kentucky football success. Um, he's going to maintain that level that Mark Stoops will have had for close to a decade um, in, in this fictional universe where he leaves over to, to Miami. I think that that is something that can fit perfectly um, I think if that doesn't happen, I think Jamie Chadwell would do um, wonders at. I, th- I think he, I thought he was perfect for South Carolina, to be honest. Before they went out and they hired Beamer, mm-hmm. um, I think he could be good at Virginia Tech when they get rid of Justin Fuente. I think uh, they kind of went for you know the high power air, not air raid, but like high throwing type of offense with um, with Fuente when he was at Memphis. And I think they may go differently. They understand. I think they understand that offense is kind of the calling card for college football nowadays. I think that they can take Jamie Chadwell. He can implement that system, do a really good job. Culturally, he's a fit with that enter Sandman type uh, Virginia Tech Hokies craziness with the with the fan base and stuff. Those are a couple programs I think he would do great, great, great success at. Okay. I love how you gave us like a full on like map of like transitions. Like you're like, okay, he goes here, <laughs> he goes there, then he goes there. I love that. Um, Absolutely. I Absolutely. Mentioned, I mentioned my pick a little bit earlier in the show, but I'm going with Dre- Jeff Trailer from University of San Antonio or Texas, San Antonio. Um, he's been, tw- he's gone 12 and five in two seasons with San Antonio um, six and zero this season. And there are two wins away from tying their best record since 2012 and three wins, obviously from amassing that record, surpassing it. Um, they average 435. Can I, you, yards. can I ask you a question about him? Yeah, go ahead. So he, his calling card, we talk about Jamie Chadwell, his calling card being that triple option mm-hmm. with like a booster pack of throwing. Um, the UTSA starter pack is very much like recruit local Texas. Yeah. And because it's recruit local Texas and really the old school Schnellenberger draw a map around your area and recruit it heavier, get those athletes, especially in a talent rich state like Texas. Do you think that that can translate to a higher level job? Absolutely. Um, I think that's a good point that you make. I think the reason he draws that little map is because one, the recruiting Texas is a hotbed for talent. Um, All these kids that he's getting are overlooked by obviously Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, um, even uh, Texas A&M. And so these are all the kids that are like, and SMU, for example. They're all kids that have maybe the talent to go there, but they're overlooked. And so this is a perfect place Mm -hmm. for them. But if he's at a bigger job, I think like you talked about with uh, Stoops, he does less or he does more with less. And so when he gets to a bigger job where he's actually able to recruit more and reach out mm-hmm. to like, maybe I'll go to Florida and try to grab a couple kids. Maybe I'll go to like California and try to grab a couple kids. Um, I think that's a perfect situation for him. Now, I don't know if his recruiting will translate to like five stars yet, because I think he'll have to be like a Matt Campbell type where he gets those three stars and then builds up his program. Um, right now, he's not even getting three star kids. He's like getting like the unranked like two stars and yeah. below. So he's making, he's making chicken, you know, what out of, out of, or chicken salad out of chicken, you know, what right now it's an, it's an incredible coaching job he's doing. Exactly. And like his offense is, it looks fun to like to play in for, um, young players because they're averaging 435 yards per game and 38 points per game. 
So I feel like that's that's an attractive move, especially if you're an offense who's been stagnant and like hasn't been what you wanted. Um, I don't think he'll begin like the nod for a USC job, but maybe a Big Twelve job opens up, or maybe an American job. Someone leaves. Ooh, Texas Tech. See, I want him. I. I, I like that, but the problem is Texas Tech is actually kind of succeeding this year, and so they they can't know, fire right? they can't fire Matt Wells if he goes like because they're currently four and two or five and two. Well, what about what about? Okay, so it's it's not looking too well for Gary Patterson at TCU right now. It right. doesn't seem like he's adapting well to the NIL transfer era of college football. Mm-hmm. What about TCU? It's a private school, Dallas area. You know, could it's it's a small school within a bigger conference. It could work. I think that right. might be a spot for him. I, I think that's a good spot for him. I like that. Um, it's it's all honestly up to the the people at TCU. They have a statue, of Gary Patterson. Um, so I feel like they might let Gary Patterson make end on his own terms, regardless of how poorly yeah. he's doing. And so I feel like that's kind of the the hard part about that. Um, maybe a job opens up out west in the Pac-12. Um, there's some programs struggling there, like Arizona. It's not really an attractive job, but they're they've been abysmal already under their first year head coach. They're having walk on tryouts already. Um, yeah, was- but but Arizona's in a bad spot, but it's not a bad program. Exactly. They their their issues. They've had two two or three bad coaches in a row that have kind of stagnated it. But the potential is there. Like they they don't need to do the making finding a diamond in the rough making your lower level recruits play better than what they really are. They don't need that type of type of coach. They can do much more than that. I don't know, but who knows? Maybe they need that to kind of get out of the rut, you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's a job away from being a job away, if that makes sense. So like his that next job, his next job is going to propel him to a top tier job. And so that's why I yeah. think about Jeff trailer, um, a coach who I, I knew you were going to bring up Billy Napier. So I just wanted to show you, and the listeners, how fast this LSU disaster of a season is going to end. Um, LSU's next few games are Florida, um, Ole Miss, Loss. Alabama. Loss. Three losses Loss. in a row. Then they get Louisiana Monroe, which I'm, hopefully they win. I mean, they might lose. I don't know. They, they should. No, no, that no that's point, a win. That's a win. The program could be decimated. But then they finished <laughs> off with Texas A&M, which Loss. I, I have no idea about Texas A&M yet. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that one. I want to see how Texas A&M, if they okay. can continue this success. Or if they somehow just fluke the, their living hell out of beating Alabama, Borba, Borba, I, I think you're, I think you're giving the logo a bit too much respect with LSU. This is a I, bad football team. I might be. No, they're a terrible football team. It's just I don't know this what is Texas, a bad football team. Texas A and M is one play away from their quarterback being either a tight end converted to quarterback or a kid who's yet to take a snap in college. So. They're one snap away, and we saw Zach Calzada almost lose his ACL in the last game. So it's dangerous. You never yeah. know. But realistically, LSU is looking at about five more losses and hopefully a win against Louisiana Monroe. So Billy Napier should be suiting up, ready to move to Baton Rouge anytime now. <laughs> I think so, I think down payment is made on his house. I really do. Pro- I think it's all is. set up. They probably have his name on the office. They're probably talking about pl- floor plans for his office, how he wants to organize and stuff. <laughs> So now that we've talked about who's done bad, we're talking about the sport itself, the thing we love the most. What has been your favorite game so far of the season? It could be any game, any level. My favorite, my favorite, like specific game? Specific game. I could start off if you'd like. I have a couple. Okay. So one, mm-hmm. obviously, even though we lost, I go, I, Red River was a great game. Um, if you look yeah. at it from a fan's perspective and not like that's my team and we, we just blew a 21 point lead, 
great game. Um, my other favorite mm-hmm. game was when Fresno State upset, which turned out not to be an upset, UCLA. Um, that was a fantastic game. Fresno State's 3-0 against UCLA, UCLA in the past three meetings. So maybe UCLA is mm-hmm. the underdog. I don't know. But that was a fantastic game. Jake Hayner looked like he broke his hip, but then he's throwing bullets to win the game on the last second yeah. touchdown. That was just a great game. So those are my two picks. Um, I have a couple. I have a okay. couple. I have a couple BYU games. They've been fun to watch mm-hmm. late at night. Um, the Holy War was really good. Utah took the lead early. Then BYU came storming back. First win in God knows how long. And I think it was like 11 years for them in a really, really intense rivalry. Um, the BYU-Arizona State game, incredible. Mm. There was a sequence in the third quarter where the BYU fan base um, caused like four straight false starts because they were so loud. Um, that was a fun game. They're rowdy out there um, in <laughs> They are rowdy. And, and again, if you... If you are a BYU student, please reach out to us. Leave a comment, rate, just like tell us, what do you do to turn up so hard? I don't understand it. You don't drink alcohol. You don't even drink caffeine. So like, they, uh, they, get, anyway. they drink a couple of diet sodas and they're, pound, they're pumped. <laughs> <laughs> couple couple of diet Pepsis and I'm in there. Um, so those games were fun. The Florida-Bama game was a lot of fun. The Florida-Bama game was a lot of fun. Um Arkansas A&M to me was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was nice to see like the Arkansas stamp of uh, of validity. You know, the proof of concept was like, okay, good. This team is good. We got it. Yeah. It wasn't just a one week thing against Texas. They also did it to A&M. Um, I really, oh, what was the other one I liked? Ole Miss Arkansas. We, oh, you mentioned one. Ole Miss Arkansas this past week was fantastic. We we had two classics with Red River and um, Ole Miss Arkansas. Um, Nebraska Michigan. Uh, from this that past was, week was also fantastic that was a good game you know uh, you know it was an underrated game and i think we're, we mm-hmm. both watched it and we both talked about it a lot when we watched it tulane yeah. oklahoma oh what a fantastic start to the season right i mean tulane's not nearly as good as i thought they were going to be after that game i don't think they've won a game mm-hmm. since um but they, also also that same day the ending to penn state wisconsin was fantastic right. and then i also loved minnesota versus ohio state in like the very first game of the season um Oh, the, the, the CJ Stroud overreaction game? Yes, the CJ Stroud overreaction <laughs> game. <laughs> but that was a great game. Like honestly, the first we've been we've been spoiled with these first few weeks of college football. I think this might go yeah, down as one of the better seasons in college football. I this is the most I don't know if it'll be better in terms of quality of play, but definitely the, the most exciting season since 2007. Exactly. When we had all kinds of madness happen. So right. I'm with you. Yeah, those are just a bunch of options from the top of my head. We said um, name definitely one. Definitely not. We named 10. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely not Florida, Kentucky. That was horrible. That was an atrocious game. No one should that, – that game should be burned from everyone's memory. It was atrocious. Horrific a, football game. A bad game that was kind of good, though, Notre Dame versus Florida State. You mentioned it earlier. That was a solid oh, game. That was fun. Because that McKinsey was Milton came back and, like, resurrected. I thought the Seminoles – I didn't think they were going to, like, become, like, a playoff contender by any means. But I was like – Maybe with him at quarterback, his comeback, they'll maybe like contend in the ACC a little mm-hmm. bit. Yikes. Another fun another fun game, speaking of Notre Dame, I don't know which Ohio Mac school it is because the Mac to me is just – it's just 10 teams that are the same. <laughs> it's either Akron or Toledo, Toledo. against um, – it's Toledo. Toledo against Notre Dame. That fourth quarter was fantastic. Jack Cohn dislocating his finger, calling the trainer over, popping it back in and then running it was just peak. It was fantastic. It was peak I'll, college football madness. I'll just get to get harassed by Notre Dame fans online <laughs> every week. Oh, they can come at me. 
Notre Dame fans, you can come at me. Ask at S D E L A E S. I can talk to you all about how your pro, your program is rooted in Newt Rockney propaganda. Was only successful because you, as a Catholic university, gave a bunch of guys GI bills, accepted them in the in right after World War II, were able to establish your little dynasty, quote unquote dynasty, and because you decided you're athletic directors were smart enough to play all around the country in an era where there was no television. So everything was the mist, the mystique of Notre Dame, this little small town in Indiana can field this national college <laughs> football team. That's based on religion. And, and, and you have the arrogance to not be in a conference, even though that is how it go- I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, at, a, me, at S-D-E-L-A-E-S, I'd be more than happy to school a, you on your own. Put a logo on that helmet too. Who do you think you are? No, I don't know. The, the helmet's pretty. No, the helmet's, the helmet's magical. Pretty. The helmet's magical. But <laughs> I, I was just adding on. But get a logo, you know. Join there the conference. Okay, so now it's time to predict things. So before we predict who's going to win their game, the best games of the week this week, we're going to be our very own college football playoff, and we're going to rank the one through four. And so, who is your playoff teams right now, as it currently sits? Doesn't have to be the current standings. If you agree, that works too. But if you had to rank the four, is this? Is this realistic or is this Sergio's Sergio's playoff? Is this like a, is this my prediction for the real playoff or is this Sergio's playoff? Mm, let's go Sergio's playoff. With with, right, Sergio's with realism, I don't want to hear like with like, I don't want to hear like Florida, Oklahoma, and like no no no, 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 UTF no, no. And like all, all the well, just, first of all, <laughs> I don't know I don't know why you just trashed Oklahoma. They have a legitimate chance. I mean, I was just picking all the schools that you have okay. like guys with. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. My, my playoff is Florida, Oklahoma, UCF and FAU. That's, yeah, that's, that's the that's Sergio what, special. I don't want the Sergio playoff. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Here, here it is. As much as it pains me to say at my number one seed, it's the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. I think even though I don't like the quarterback situation, JT Daniels is hurt. I, I like JT Daniels but he's consistently hurt. We never know what we're going to get. I do not trust the mailman, um, the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth. I don't trust them. I understand he's had some good plays. He can make some some stuff. He's had a lot of starting experience under his belt now. Still don't trust him. But the defense is good enough to carry this, this team, this offense, regardless of what happens. So I will take Georgia as my number one seed. At number two. All right, this is contingent upon Sean Clifford being healthy. Oh. I want to preface this. At number two, I want to go with Penn State. I think Penn State has been consistent um, throughout the entire season. I think this is a season that people are going to get got. Um, we already have the upset for Ohio State. They already have the loss. I believe that Penn State, with a healthy Sean Clifford, and I'm not saying Sean Clifford is 2017 Tyler Trevor Lawrence or 2016 Deshaun Watson or whatever, but I think that he's capable, as we talked about last week in the review. Um, I think he's capable. And so for that, because it's wild, it's crazy, I'll go Penn State because at that point they will have beaten they will have beaten Ohio State during the regular season. They will have beaten Michigan. They will have beaten Michigan State, which, hello, making some noise. And they will have beaten Iowa in the Big 12 title game. In the Big 10 title game, excuse me. So for that reason, I'll go Penn State at two. At three. Hmm. At three, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma Sooners. Hmm. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I think they... This is Caleb Williams. I think they will. 
Yes, I okay. think with Caleb Williams, I'm very comfortable with with picking Oklahoma at three, and then at four. This is this is not necessarily what I would do, but this is more rooted in realism. I would put Cincinnati at four. Um, I think that they're one of the four best teams in the country. I think they deserve to prove their shot. And in this situation, they would get a rematch against Georgia um, like they did in the Peach Bowl last season. So that would be fun. But if we're going to go more realistic, then I think Alabama would take that slot. Um, There's a couple of rules that I live my life by. One of those rules is Nick Saban ain't going to get got twice. He will not. Nick Saban ain't going to get got twice. He's not going to get got twice. And Alabama – Alabama, Alabama has a friendly schedule coming up. Um, mm-hmm. They go, and, and, and again, this is this is also because in this weird college football season, if they win the SEC, they're in because it means that they beat Georgia. Right. But if they lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, I still think that their resume and as a team, they are good enough. And compared to others, other people's resumes, they have a chance for the four spot. I would put Cincinnati. I want to make that very clear. But I think realistically. Um, Alabama would be there. So I guess Sergio's playoff would include Cincinnati, but the realistic one would just include Alabama. So it would be Georgia, Penn State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati slash Alabama. Okay. Um, I like what you said about Alabama with the two losses because I am a firm believer that if this year out of any of the years will be the first year, we might get a team with two losses in the playoff. Um, We currently have teams five through seven all have one loss. Um, team number nine in the country, 13 in the country, 14 in the country. Everybody's lost a game at least. And so it's just un- unlikely that, that all these teams are going to win out. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. We, we might get one team that's yeah. undefeated, or maybe two, it's counting Cincinnati, um, but two at most. But we're going to get one Power 5 team that's likely undefeated. Um, it's just not likely for the, all, the, all the other schools. Um, my playoff is going to look very similar to the current one just because I'm going to go Georgia 1. Cincinnati is going to be my three Alabama two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I went out of order like that, but yeah, <laughs> one, two, three. Now it's one, three, two. So Georgia, uh-huh. Alabama, because I think Alabama is going to win out, beat Georgia in the, the sec um, title game. And then mm-hmm. they're going to get all that respect back. But I still think the committee is going to give Georgia the benefit of the doubt because why, why wouldn't they, they've done, they've done really well all season and then Cincinnati at three, like I said, and then Iowa at four. Iowa has the easiest schedule of all the Big Ten teams right now, because um, all the ranked teams in the Big Ten are all in the same all in the same conference or division, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Iowa's schedule, remaining schedules: Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. Meaning they won't have to play Ohio State, Michigan State, uh, Michigan, or well, they already played Penn State, but they don't have to play them again because they already beat them, and Penn State's not likely to beat win out unless they do i mean that'd be impressive but penn state without See, Sean I, Clark- I think they i think they will I, I think they'll get i think it's possible for them to get a, that rematch in the big 12 in the big 10 title game right I but really i do. think also i think i want to say this right now i want to say this right now and i want you to remember this borba oh boy i was losing to wisconsin you think so yes okay. and, and well, it's not because wisconsin's the better team it, it they're just it's just they're big 10 football it's just big 10 football it's just big 10 football you know who i almost yeah. put out for Michigan State. I'm not. I'm not sleeping on the Spartans, and I think this would be the year of all years for someone not named Ohio State to get out of that conference. I mean, out of that division. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I keep saying conference. It's basically a conference. There's seven teams. They have yeah, just no. as many teams as the Big Twelve. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> they literally, they if they beat Ohio State and Michigan, 
that's an impressive that's an impressive resume and i'm not hate- I, i'm literally the conductor of the mel tucker hype train so you don't have to say anything to me i'm i'm, I'm mean, on board i'm there i think Choo-choo, we're getting the big 10 team regardless i think there will be a big 10 team in the playoff me too i agree so uh, that was our playoff so now we got to do our week seven pick them because we have some great games this week so yes are you do. ready are you ready to predict the future again let's do it okay Starting this week, we're going to count how many we get right, and we're going to calculate our total records and see how reliable reliable we are. Um, <laughs> so up first, this one's kind of like a personal one to you, I guess. It's your your sweetheart and then your sweetheart school. Um, number three, Cincinnati <laughs> taking on UCF. Your sweetheart school obviously being Alexis alma mater. <laughs> mm-hmm. The phrase is, I have an emotional attachment to someone with an emotional attachment to UCF. That That is the patented phrase that I use to describe the University of Central Florida. This I'm sorry, be- UCF. They hate when they hate when you call them Central Florida. <laughs> wow, well, we would hate to, hate to use the acronym that they're that UCF hate, stands hate. for. Yeah, right. I would, would hate to be- actually spell out your university. <laughs> exactly, but this would be the game that if Cincinnati drops one, it's going to be a random game like this. Um, mm-hmm. UCF is not a bad team. Um, Gus Malzahn has kind of figured it out, kind of not but in a way kind of has with Dylan Gabriel. But this would be the game that Cincinnati like drops, and then if Cincinnati loses, they're not making the playoff. It's just That's just how it is. But Because we don't, I... have, we don't have respect for group of five teams yet. <laughs> you guys don't. I do. I mean, we um, do, I do. It's just I'm not on the playoff committee, so they don't care what I got to exactly. say. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, it, it hurts my it hurts my heart, but I it's Cincinnati. And it's... And, Unfortunately, I think this game will probably be taken care of early in the third quarter. Midway through the third quarter will be okay. pretty comfortable. Uh, UCF is without Dylan Gabriel. He's still recovering from his um, clavicle injury that he like, suffered against Navy. injuries are rough ones. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. A bad injury. And, that's a bad injury. And, and like you said, Gus, it, I don't think Gus has it figured out yet, but I think Gus is on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much a Gus Malzahn experience where this is the season that it's kind of a little bit of a downturn, like things are happening and they're probably going to go seven, five, eight and four, and then go to a bowl game, win the game and have optimism for next year. And then the next year they could go like 11 and 0 or 11 and 1, 12 and 0, whatever. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati's way too good. Um, I don't think they get caught slipping. They're a well-coached team. Um, and that secondary is lethal. And you know that they're going to try to throw on them and I don't think it's going to end well. So I'll take Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati. I think they're the clear-cut favorites. Desmond Ritter, this is kind of like his Heisman moment. Um, oh, that's that's another th- one we didn't get to do. We'll do that at the end of this. We'll pick our Heisman winner. Okay. But there hasn't been like a clear-cut Heisman winner yet. Usually by week mm-hmm. five or six, it's like Lamar Jackson, we knew it was going to be him. Um, yeah. Derek Henry, we knew. Like, Joe Burrow. Yeah, like we knew. This year, I would say it's the most open the award's ever been. But I think this would be a mm-hmm. big week for Desmond Ritter to kind of get that national attention, um, even though they already beat Notre Dame and Indiana. I think he still has to build. Um, I think everybody's going to be looking for Cincinnati to fail, even in the slightest. Like, even if they beat a team like UCF by, like, one touchdown, people are going to consider that a failure. So it's like they have to prove themselves each and each and every week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. The next game is Texas, number 25 Texas, taking on Oklahoma State, um, number 12 in the country. Oklahoma State is undefeated. Um, Spencer Sanders has not been as good as – we once thought he would be, but their running game is electric. They they're averaging 155 yards. They're running back by himself. Excuse me, is averaging 155 yards per game. Um, he just got a, he just had a game where he got 35 carries, on top of a game where he had 32, and then a game where he had like 28. So like they're gonna feed the man. 
So who do you think is winning? Listen, I, I hear everything you just said about Oklahoma State. I really do. I respect it. I think it's I don't think it's something to be taken too lightly, especially given what we've seen from the Texas defensive line over the past uh, over the past few games in this season. Um, you know that they can get pushed around. But I just don't think that Oklahoma State's defense has an answer for the Sark quick slants, the Sark quick screens, the the rapid RPOs. Um, and even when he doesn't want to do that stuff, Bijan Robinson is going to feast. And so for that reason, I like Texas in this game. I think Texas, we talked about it on the last episode, um, The fir- Texas in the first quarter and a half, first half in, in general, really showed what they could be. And I think that loss against Oklahoma, I like Sark enough as a coach to say, okay, that loss is going to propel them to be a better football team for the rest of the season and going into next year. And I think it starts with this game against Oklahoma State. So I'll take Texas. I'm going to take Texas. Um, I'm actually not as confident. I've, I don't think I, I think I was more confident in us beating Oklahoma than us beating Oklahoma State. Um, this game, yeah, kinda but that's t- just dumb. No, okay, but hear me <laughs> out. Just because I love you, dude, but that is dumb. <laughs> I was Oklahoma was not looking that good, and if they would have stayed with Spencer Rattler, we probably would have beat them. Caleb Williams was a factor that we didn't know, but we knew he could be better. Oklahoma State, I think mm-hmm. I'm more worried because we just came off a very devastating loss. Um, we're trying out. A new offensive, a new offensive line for like the third or fourth time, which that is something I admire about Sark. Is once he sees something doesn't work, he is willing to switch it up. But when you're switching three mm-hmm. players in the offensive line, that's always worrisome. We have a our right guard is making his first career start, um, and he's like a junior or senior, so that'll be interesting. Um, I would like to see us use the running backs more. And the biggest thing about this game is if we lose, we're not getting Arch Manning, and that's totally random, but he is in attendance. And any hope we have of getting Arch Manning relies on this game. <laughs> he's he wait wait he's is this game in Austin or in Stillwater? In Austin. Oh okay okay all right. Him, all right. I was like, why is he going to Stillwater? <laughs> no no no. <laughs> Him, and I believe Evan Stewart will be in attendance as well. F- future Florida Gator Evan Stewart yeah. Future possible Texas Longhorn Evan Stewart. <laughs> here's, here's, the, here's the difference. You say you say possible Texas Longhorn. I'm straight up saying. Florida get all the footage that circulates of him like that that highlight from Friday Night Lights it's in the swamp like that's okay. It, it, that's okay it's it was at a Florida camp dude it's okay it's okay we okay. we had a camp too but our our our, our footage was just like god awful um, just show they, just show him Kadarius Tony and um Kyle Pitts highlights more, more and like Javon Grimes and Van Jerry, Jefferson Jerry Judy Henry Ruggs um, even on the mm-hmm. roster right now, Xavier Worthy. We we got guys. Right. And where did they go? And where did where did those guys go? Not the Texas. NFL. So the NFL. continue forward. The NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Right. That but but they didn't That's go via Texas. Hey, we got Colin Johnson, little Jordan Humphrey, <laughs> Devin Duvernay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um then right. the next game. Oh, I, I don't know if I said, but I'm picking Texas. Um be a close game probably, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um the next right. game is your game, Florida versus LSU. I think this is the beginning of the death trail for Ed Orgeron if there hasn't already been the death trail, but the team's about to fall under 500 and I don't think they will ever reemerge <laughs> victorious. They lost um, Keyshawn Boot or Boutte or whatever his name is. Uh, Boutte. Boutte. Legendary wide receiver. I think he could, if he was on the roster with Jefferson and all them, I think he could like fight for one of the top two spots. He's that. So good. there were, there were, there were a lot of people, within the Louis, the LSU like beat writers and people who got access to practice because he was a freshman um 
the year that uh, KJ Je- uh, Justin Jefferson was there, and obviously Jamar Chase and stuff like that. And people were saying uh, Boudier is the best of them. And so that's like a, whoa, okay, we'll see how it goes. Because, you know, that uh, LSU's been, with Marshall, they've been producing wide receivers really well. So, right. You know, but they, have, they have a history of producing really good wide they, receivers. They do. I mean, they do. It's just, they had one weapon this year. He went down. <laughs> um, they never really figured out their quarterback situation. I mean, even if they, they think they did, they didn't because Max Johnson mm-hmm. wasn't cutting it. Um, even if they had TJ Finley, who's now at Auburn, I don't think he would have been cutting it either. Um, it's just right. a tough situation to be in for Edo. And I think, I think your Gators win this one pretty handily. I'm not going to lie. I think this might be a blowout win for you guys. And I, I'm, I'm calling for like a 14 to 20 point win. So I don't want to say blowout because it's the Gators and you never know. Go Gators. But I think we win. I think yeah. we win. I think you guys will get the dub. Um, next one is almost a top 10 matchup. We're one spot away from it being a top 10 matchup. We got number one, Georgia taking on number 11. One spot out of the top 10, Kentucky. Um, I think Georgia's got this game. Um, I think this will be a really rough game for Kentucky. I think it'll be more like the Arkansas game uh, when they played Georgia, where it's like they ha- they picked up all this hype because they were doing well, and then Georgia just killed their vibe. But Kentucky doesn't have that prolific of an offense. Um, I will say Will Levis, is he's really good, um, serviceable, if you will, but I don't think he's got what it takes to single-handedly take down Georgia even if they're going against the mailman <laughs> or JT Daniels, doesn't matter. Listen, Will Levis is not going to be the man that figures it out against this Georgia defense. <laughs> that's all I'll say. It, it'll be Georgia. That's TikTok, it. That's all I'm going to say. You don't think TikTok superstar Will Levis will figure it out against the Georgia Bulldogs? <laughs> is he, is he, is he TikTok famous? I didn't know that. He's low key TikTok famous. He, he does all the like in your locker room, like who would you not want to date your sister and stuff like that? I've seen him on my for you oh. page a couple times. Oh, he's corny. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be okay. you got, to got get it. the clout. You gotta be a little and then, bit, a little bit. You gotta be this, a little corny. To be my next TikTok game is underrated. It's a, it's a game that me and you have both been in a way, keeping tabs on Baylor, mm-hmm. who is currently five and one. They were ranked, but they fell out of their, the rankings after one loss taking on number 19 BYU. So, okay, this is tough because I don't want to pick against either of these teams because I think that either of these, both of these teams can give us something, you know, are capable of winning this game. Is this game in Waco or is this game in Provo? It is in Waco, so no more, no Mormon madness. What time is the game at? Um, it is at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, so 3.30 or 2.30 there. Okay, 3.30. 3.30 your time. 2.30, 2.30, 2.30, okay. All right, okay, all right. See, if it was if this was like a noon game Eastern, then I would roll with, with Baylor because of the time difference and they're playing a morning game, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, I think when in doubt here, I just got to go with the home team. I like Dave Aranda. I think Dave Aranda defensively will be able to scheme his way into containing that BYU offense that can get deadly at times. Uh, yeah, give me, give me Baylor. I'll take Baylor. Okay. Um, I will say had BYU not lost earlier in the season, um, against Boise state, they might've had like, Mm -hmm. um, a low key resume for the playoff, um, going into this, going into the playoff. Baylor? 
No, BYU. I mean, Baylor. Or BYU. Too. Sorry, BYU. Baylor could have a playoff discussion too. Um, they have to win out, obviously, but that would include beating Texas. Well, they, they still have to play Texas, Oklahoma. Right. And, so they could. And then but, one of those get one of them again in the title. Right. Game, so. But this is who BYU has beaten this year: Arizona State, um, potentially Boise State. That would also mean beating Virginia and who you mm-hmm. the ghost of USC. Um, so that right. that could have been like a dark horse playoff discussion, I guess, if they had one out, but they're mm-hmm. obviously not going to make it because they lost the one game. Um, right. I'm going to go with Baylor. I don't think BYU is ready for the physicality that Baylor is going to bring. Um, Baylor literally wants to run it down your throats nonstop. And Jerry Bohannon, their quarterback, is good enough to not make mistakes. He's thrown 11 touchdowns, no interceptions on the year. And so he kind of just mm-hmm. game manages his way. Sometimes he'll he'll beat you with his arm, but he will game manage them to a win. Um, I think Baylor wins this, and then I think people start taking Baylor more seriously as they should. And so the last game is the Fighting Billy Napiers in Louisiana taking on App State. Both teams are four and one. So it's at mm-hmm. App State, or no, it's at Louisiana. It's at Louisiana. Excuse me. So, so this game. This game is actually tonight, listeners, because you're getting this on a Thursday. So right. this game is actually tonight. Um, so this is the traditional best game in the Sun Belt, and I'm glad that it's got like national primetime. I actually won't be able to watch this game because I'll be at the Panthers opening night hockey game. Big um, hockey guy now. But I definitely you? will be – I am a big hockey guy, my friend. Um, I'm looking here at the schedules – Ooh, App State has Coastal the week after. Good Lord. Um, this is tough, man. This is tough. This is this might be um, one of all the bunch. <laughs> okay, I think I'm. I think I'm just gonna take it down to coaching here. I'm gonna take Louisiana because of Billy Napier. And I remember when I – each team only has one loss, by the way, and the one losses are to Power 5 teams. So Louisiana's loss is to Texas, and App State's loss is to Miami. Um, that Miami game, though, if App State just, like, doesn't drop the ball three or four times on that last drive, they win the game. And I'm afraid that that is something that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I want – I like Billy Napier here. I think if my – philosophy uh that billy napier is actually going to go to lsu had comes true then i think he needs to win games like this to in the national landscape to prove it and stuff so also i definitely saw louisiana last year win a football game basically giving away nine points by giving away a touchdown and a safety um because they couldn't their punter like couldn't kick the ball <laughs> so if they can win that football game i think they can win this one so and it's at home on a thursday short week I'll take Louisiana. Yeah, I'm going to go with Louisiana too. Um, I will say App State's quarterback, Chase Bryce, finally found a home. Um, He started at Clemson and then ended up at Duke and was awful. And then now found a home at App State. But I do like Louisiana's quarterback, Levi Lewis. Um, Louisiana practically returned everybody from last season. Um, They lost their their best running back to the NFL. Um, But their new running back is obviously doing pretty well himself. Um, So I think Louisiana has the upper hand, like you said, in coaching. And I think... Levi Lewis is a better quarterback than Chase Bryce um, on the season mm-hmm. and just in general. So I'll go with Louisiana. It'll be a good game to watch. Also, go Kraken since we are talking hockey briefly. <laughs> I'm a newly found Kraken fan. And so now before we wrap up the show, we got to pick our Heisman winner. Um, so this could either be 
who you think can win, will win the Heisman or who your Heisman is up to this point, but we'll do who you think will win it. Okay. I'm going to ask you that you go first. Okay, that's fine. Um, mine's Matt Corral. Um, this is a very much a quarterback award. And so obviously this year we might have more running backs who are finalists than we have in recent memory um, with B. John Robinson and then um, the running back from Michigan State. His name slips my mind. Um, what's it? What is his name? Why can't I think of his name? I don't I'm know. Not, I don't know his name either, dude. But he, he's I don't really know his name either. Okay, yeah. but I think Matt Corral has kind of solidified that gunslinger role. I think America loves a gunslinger, and Matt Corral is the gunslinger. Um, he's done really well. He's had a huge, huge um, step in production up from last season, and I think it will be a quarterback who wins this. And I will think I do think it'll be Lane Kiffin's boy. All right, so I was gonna mention this person as my Heisman to this point, mm-hmm. um, but I just looked up the Heis- the current Heisman odds, and this person has the fourth best Heisman odds. Oh. It's Kenneth Walker the third, the Michigan State running back. There it is, Kenneth Walker. I think he's having a, I think he's having a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the transfer from Wake Forest. I think it's incredible that Wake Forest has a, uh, Wake Forest has a running back transfer and they're still undefeated. Like, could you imagine if he was on that football team? <laughs> literally, um, but it's working. We have a Heisman contender. It's working, literally. Yeah, it's working perfect for Mel Tucker up at Michigan State. Um. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go with Kenneth Walker the third. I I wasn't expecting to say him. I was looking at the odds to like kind of get an idea. Um, what's crazy is that like I'm looking at the odds here, and the like two runaway favorites are Bryce Young and Matt Corral are like the two like neck and neck right now, and then you have like three, we have probably four players in the same second tier range: C.J. Stroud, Kenneth Walker the third, Bijan Robinson, and Desmond Ritter. And then it kind of drops into like crazy random, like like Kenny Pickett is on here and Anthony Brown is on here and JT Daniels, who's like not playing football at the moment because of a shoulder <laughs> injury. Like he, they're on this list. So like whatever. But I think it's very interesting. I think that's a um that's a cool one. I like Kenneth Walker the third a lot, so I'll pick him. He is he is to just in case you don't know about him, and you should, Kenneth Walker is pretty much leading the NCAA in almost every rushing statistic he's average he has 912 rushing yards on the season averaging seven yards a carry and has nine touchdowns um just mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns alone um he has a couple reception touchdowns as well um the guy's good um i think mm-hmm. michigan state is kind of relying on him a lot which i mean who wouldn't uh it's like you said it's kind of crazy what 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 would have wake forest been had they had walker because their current running back only has about 350 yards and so this guy has mm-hmm. 600 more yards and four more touchdowns so it's just interesting to to be hypothetical about it but i'm right. gonna go with matt corral um i wanted to go in my heart of hearts Bijan, but i don't i don't think he's had like a heisman moment yet if that makes sense like you, his his if you guys would have won the game his heisman moment would have been the run where he broke like the entire defense and scored a touchdown. That would have been his Heisman moment. Right. But, but unfortunately again, like, you lost. You, so. Yeah. Like you said, we have to win the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think you, everybody has to have a Heisman moment. I think Matt Corrales might up to this point is that Arkansas game. Um, he had a few dagger throws like deep down the middle. and like, Oh my, he has a cannon. And so I think mm-hmm. the voters are going to go with their instincts and their tendencies and make this a quarterback award, even though, it could be an anybody in award, even though we are coming hey, off listen, wide a wide receiver. I know, but right. I know, but it, it's a quarterback award. Like the last time, like 
that was the first wide receiver to win it since Desmond Howard. Um, the last running back to win it, I believe, was Derrick Henry. And that was already a while ago, if you think about it. Um, I, you mm-hmm. already know this, but fun fact, Matt Corral was almost a Florida Gator. Um, Dan Mullen just didn't want him. <laughs> eh, it wasn't so much Dan Mullen didn't want him. It was Matt Corral was playing a lot of recruiting games. And... You know, you know what? I'm not going to incriminate anyone, so I'm just going to stop talking with Matt some Corral, information. Matt Corral was like, like you know, when people are flirts, like they're like uh-huh. they're they're friendly with a lot of people. That's how Matt mm-hmm. Corral was recruiting. So he was yes. committed to Florida, yes. but it was like it was never like my door. Like I'm I'm a Gator. It's like, oh, I mean, you want me to visit? I'll visit. Oh, you you want me to talk to you? I'll talk to you. So he was. And, it, and never let's 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 just say let's just say that. If NIL was a thing in when Matt Corral was being recruited, maybe there would have been enough convincing to get him to go to Florida. Let's just oh. put it that way. Oh. Let's put it that way. I am I am happy to see him finally succeeding though. Um I am too. I, I never had anything against the kid. Like it no, he's he, really good. He's really he kind good. of fell off a little bit. I, I say fell off, but he struggled last year at times. And, and honestly, and honestly. Now we get to see him with Lane Kiffin, and so everything is right in the world. They're well, they're perfect for each other. <laughs> well, I just thought about maybe Lane Kiffin is going to be one of those coaches that moves up to a, a no. A he'll job. be fine. you. You don't think he'll leave? You don't think that LSU might be calling his name? I don't think he would take LSU. Okay, okay. not for Ole Miss. Not for Ole Miss. He'll take he'll take the Bama job. He I mean, won't who, take. Who he won't take it? the Ole Miss job. That Bama job is literally. There's there's no there's a lot of people that wouldn't take the Bama job. I'm not kidding. There's a lot of people that would not take the Bama job. I mean, I guess, and for I good guess. reason. Yeah, I mean, you never want to be the guy after the guy, so that's always scary. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sergio, do you have anything to add before we head out and enjoy the rest of our week and prepare for next week's crazy? I already know this week of college football is going to be crazy this weekend, so we'll we'll be talking no, about some um, crazy story. No, yeah, like, listen, Clemson goes to Syracuse on Friday night. Um, that's going to be interesting. Um, California goes to Oregon on Friday night as well. You got some fun games. Michigan State, Indiana looks to be fun. Um, Nebraska, Minnesota looks to be a sickos game. That looks to be very interesting. Miami at North Carolina, another weird game. Hit Virginia Tech, that's going to be sneaky fun. Uh, there's a lot of good football games this week. Uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee in a bet the over battle. Um it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a fun fun week of college football. I'm excited to talk about it next week. It will be a great week of college football. This has been the Tailgaters Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kevin, and he's Sergio. And we thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the college football week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.